I have once again failed to understand the question correctly. <laughs> and, uh... Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Sins, joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott ka-chow and from music video sins barrett share what happened <laughs> so yeah today we are back to remote uh just taking some precautions uh not that we uh you know think we have covid or anything but both barrett and i had been around people who reported having covid so we decided crazy, to crazy, crazy time, man. Being as all Tennessee ICU beds are reportedly full, um, we're being extra precautious. We ain't That's fucking right. around, folks. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't too. There get you your go. shit done. Get yeah. your get your shit did. Get mm-hmm. your vaccinated. Get your fucking get your mask on. Let's mm-hmm. end you know, it. I Take one bite with- and end it. I agree with the sentiment, man, but how many people out there have been told the same message over and over again at this point and haven't done it because of yeah. conspiracy theories? You got a good point. If Olivia Rodrigo could not reach these people, they're probably not listening to me. <laughs> That's true. That's well, true. Listen, I saw yesterday that in one week, Metro Nashville schools already has a thousand people isolated or quarantining. Uh, mm. And that is a school system requiring masks for teachers and students. So mm-hmm. we're not fucking around for now. We're going to take it week by week. Um, but uh, and all of us are vaccinated. But we're we're taking extra precautions. And you know what? If it if it means a five percent dip in audio quality, we hope that you guys will just bear with us. But yeah, I don't even think most of you will care all that much. it won't be but. a big change i don't think i mean there are there are subtle things that you hear in the live everybody in the same room uh podcasts but sound quality wise i think we're always pretty up there i don't i don't have a i don't have an issue with our audio when we're doing it remote so um, as long as you can hear our lovely voices Mm-hmm. Our That's luscious, right. our luscious lips smacking. That's right. That's correct. Um, but today is going to be a question and answer session. We have tons oh, of questions yeah. that are that have piled up. We have we've actually answered more questions than we usually have over the past couple of months. We, there's there's been months and during this podcast where we didn't answer any of them, and then we had this huge <laughs> like you know pile afterwards we still have a huge pile today but we've answered more than we have in the past we we get we get time in for like one or two every once in a while uh so while we have a pile it's not as big of a pile as it normally is when we get to these type of things so um uh, i guess barrett uh go ahead and and uh tee us off on this one question question i got something to say i want the truth i'm listening cue us up yeah, we love these guys. We have okay. So these questions came in from SoundCloud, from email, from Twitter, uh, from the main CinemaSense Twitter, uh, from Facebook. Like we we literally get things from everywhere. So contact us however you want to. Uh, we will find them, 
and we will eventually answer them. And we will uh, kill it, them. And we will kill them. Uh, so, yeah, no, keep them coming. These are all great, man. Uh, don't uh, don't ever think that uh, we've answered so many questions that uh, mine doesn't uh, doesn't even register because there is there's always an angle that we haven't thought about. <clears throat> and so we got some good ones for you today. By the way, uh, by the way, Barrett, I'm, and I'm sorry, I, I should have waited until you were completely done, but I didn't want you to get into the questions immediately and I didn't have a chance to ask. Mm-hmm. Do we have stuff from Discord in this? Like Discord, uh, not in this one. Discord uh, asks a lot of questions too, and I I've been uh, neglecting to copy and paste them. Uh, yeah, if you want me to start doing that, I can do it easily. But Discord, I, I, these motherfuckers were playing Guess the Goofs the other day on their <laughs> own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is one of the coolest things I've ever fucking seen. I snuck yeah. in there and eavesdropped for a while, and that they saw me because I didn't know how it worked, and I thought <laughs> I thought I could eavesdrop, but like within five seconds, Joseph said, "Oh, hi, Jeremy," and yep. then I had to yep. acknowledge that I was there. Then they asked if I wanted to play, and I was like, "No." I don't want to beat all of you that badly. That's um, right. That's right. And uh, but I, it was great. They were having a there was like I don't know six or seven or eight of them in there. I saw a bunch that had messaged that they couldn't make it this time, but I guess they're going to do it on the regular. I think that's mm-hmm. neat as hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Discord doesn't let you be an anonymous bear or snake or whatever the no. hell. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was schooled and fooled. That's you right. were you were like Drax and uh, what is it uh, Infinity War or Endgame where he's like I've been standing here for an hour <laughs> yeah. i'm invisible you would never hear me i am too quiet um so yeah uh discord i know you've been answering asking questions and everything I, it it we don't go we don't go there often especially i don't and if unless uh somebody's actually tagged me and mm. i and and i always forget that uh that there's this whole channel dedicated to asking questions uh, some of you have, re- you know, have gone and asked them in other areas, and we still get to those. But uh, I just need to remember at this point to uh, to get all those off of Discord. So I'm sorry to the Discord uh, community. We need to we we'll we'll do a better job next time. We will get we will get we will get you back. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, we'll probably do an all Discord question and answer thing at some. Yeah, point. we need to make it up to those guys. All right. So here's the first one, baby. What are the best examples of older movies that you feel were ahead of their time, even by today's standards? Older movies. Personal example. Uh, this is an interesting one. I've seen this movie. Best of the Best in 1989. Mm-hmm. There is no singular protagonist, incredibly diverse cast on the American team, an action scene involving the entire team in which you can see where everyone is, realistic racism that gets reduced to a non-zero sum, Open platonic male friendships, no one gets the girl, and spoiler, the heroes don't win by traditional standards. Best of the best, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you guys think uh, of older movies that were clearly ahead of their time? Yeah. Um, I hopefully misunderstood this question. Uh-oh. Uh, well, I, for me, it's a face in the crowd, the Andy Griffith movie that he did with Elia Kazan before I think Griffith was even famous at all. Oh. Um, the movie sort of uh, predicts, it, it sort of predicts the arrival of someone like Donald Trump in politics. 
<laughs> someone who uh, at the beginning of the movie is being uh, bailed out of jail, but by the end of it is a national superstar um, that uh, that that people tune into every every night or whatever. He's 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 a uh, by the end of the movie, he, I don't know, he's got some political aspirations, but that, those get killed before the, you know, spoiler alert, those get killed before they, he gets a chance to. But, um, uh, the fact is that it's a guy who comes in and he's just, you know, I'm just saying what people want to hear and what people, and what people like to, what people like to hear so that it sounds like I'm such a good guy. And I think the Simpsons, uh, sort of parodied this with the uh um was the the puppet uh, gabo uh, <laughs> uh where the uh gabo is is one of these kinds of uh characters and then when the when he doesn't know that he's on television he starts saying all these terrible things about his audience which is what uh andy griffith does at the end of a face in the crowd and what what starts putting him on a downward spiral um you know, this, this is pre TV Andy Griffith, right? Or yeah, maybe right yeah, in the middle of it. He's, he's not. He hasn't done Andy Griffith show yet. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. This came out in 1957. Um, uh, just the idea of someone who comes in and and makes you feel good if you have these kind of, you know, whatever. And he's 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 way more down home folksy than Donald Trump was, but it's the same sort of deal. Uh, you know, people who, uh come on the scene and say stuff that, Oh, this really relates to me, even though that person may not even have the same life as you do. Um, uh, and just comes out with some things. Oh yeah, that's something I agree with or whatever. Um, uh, and it's, it's frightening. This is, this is one of the most, I, this is definitely, I think Andy Griffith's best performance ever. And this is a guy who had, you know, two huge hit TV shows in his life. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, you know, this is, you see him go from this humble guy to this like out of control monster by the end of it. Hard to think of Andy Griffith that way, but he really does pull it out. And it's, you know, and if he had, if he had done this after Andy Griffith, maybe it wouldn't have been the same kind of movie. Yeah. 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 Now it's funny that you you mentioned that because I was thinking about Bob Roberts. I was just going to say that. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. We both thought the same thing. Well, no, I actually thought about with the, with the beginning of this. I thought about Citizen Kane, uh, mm-hmm. which is about William Randolph Hearst. Essentially, it's like you know, the master is not about L. Ron Hubbard, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Citizen Kane, uh, but it's also prescient when it comes to a fucking gazillionaire running as a populist candidate, mm-hmm. and it 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 just. It never made sense to me until fairly recently. Anyway, do you know Bob Roberts better than I do, uh, uh, Jeremy? Right? I doubt it. I've seen it twice, maybe, but it did the whole. Uh, <clears throat> what made me think of Bob Roberts was when you were talking about um, the the Trump similarities. Uh, only Bob Roberts is. Uh, a much more polished politician. He's a folk singer, and so he's singing these right-wing songs against weed and um, <laughs> premarital sex. But he's also uh, behind the scenes. He's a you know regular dirty politician, um, and that might be a very interesting double feature. I I did not catch the old movie. 
Bef- uh, that was ahead of its time. Before you so, get into that, before you get yeah. into that, uh, we we've done a politics uh, movie uh, thing way back in I think it was 2016 actually, mm. um, and uh, and several of these movies have this kind of a theme. You have a face in the crowd. Uh, the candidate with Robert Redford is another one where you have a mm-hmm. candidate who uh, decides he's going to start talking about things that only he he's he's very boring as a politician so they he has to start going against his own uh his own ideology or whatever so that he can get more votes and more and more momentum in his campaign uh and then um uh you you know you mentioned bob roberts and then there's bullworth which is another one where warren yeah. Page, uh <laughs> starts uh you know he he realizes that you know, political campaigns are money machines for, you know, news corporations and talk about conspiracy theories. Uh, and, uh, he, he starts talking in a way that, uh, he, a realizes it's all bullshit, but B he's also talking, he's also hitting the right points with the, the voters that he wants to get. So, um, Bullworth is another one of those. So anyway, mm-hmm. not to interrupt you, uh, go ahead. No, you're good uh okay so i i didn't prepare for the question correctly um uh, so my answers are not um appropriate still gonna give them because i'm <laughs> one third of this show um mm-hmm. so from a technological standpoint um i just i just glazed over the question saw ahead of the time and wrote down the matrix um it is my favorite movie of all time Yo, that's old at this point that's fucking <laughs> 22 years old thank, thank that's you. old mm-hmm. thank you for that mm-hmm. um thank you for that um just means that I'm old. Uh, but That's from a, a, like messaging ahead of their time rings super true now. I think of Wally and I think of uh, V for Vendetta. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, sorry, asker of the question that I did not quite grasp the spirit of the question. I'd have done more research and come up with something awesome black and white and old but uh, i'll do better in the future <laughs> i think that's still pretty old man thank you no thank and you i think that. those work too because the matrix uh the matrix definitely then influenced a whole bunch of stuff afterwards and yeah yeah um so if you wanted to point to um you know a movie that uh, was that uh you know we we derive a lot of things from uh, uh since it came out matrix would be a hit would, would be high up on that uh ladder there the question asker uh gave an example that was only 10 years ahead of that of the matrix from yeah. 1989 best of the best by the right. way i want it on the record that a best of the best is featured on netflix right now nice, nice. b it sh- it's it features a young Almost Johnny Deppy, Eric Roberts is the <laughs> yep. lead in mm-hmm. this martial arts thing. Johnny, you Depp. also have, yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's got the mullet, but it's pulled back into a ponytail. You know the ponytail mullet. He's got the ponytail mullet, and he's all slicked and everything. He's all oily on his chest. Yeah, man, it's fucking rad. Chris Penn is in this, and Jimmy Earl Jones is man, the coach. Jimmy. I love me some Chris Penn. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Me too. He's good. Where did he go? He's dead. He's dead. What? Who? Oh shit! Chris Penn is dead. Oh, I thought I thought you were saying James Earl Jones, and I was like, uh, no, he's very much. My favorite Penn is still Michael. He died in two thousand six. I'm serious. Michael is a singer. He's a yeah, yeah. He's he's 
He did the score with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Magnolia. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, he's uh. um, he's he's good. Um, and he's better than Sean, and he's alive. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we had all that cleared up. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quick with mine. As far as older movies that are ahead of their time, I have to shout out 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm so jealous of Chris to see this. You didn't see it in IMAX, right? It was just a, or was it in IMAX in New York? (laughs) It was in fucking IMAX, man. Yeah. And it was giant, right? Oh, it was, it was like being in space. (laughs) God damn. You saw that. I think it was the day that Jeremy and I went back and and you had a day and, and went to see that, and holy shit. I mean, I love this movie if I'm watching it on my phone, which I would mm. never do. But even if I even if I did, I would love this movie. Uh, but uh, the effects, man, it, it's unfucking believable how well these effects hold up. Mm-hmm. When you do practical stuff, folks, that's... <laughs> I watched Jurassic Park the other night. Yeah, it's been yeah, playing yeah. on HBO all the time. Yeah, it has. <laughs> and yeah. God damn, every fucking time I'm like, how did they do this? Yeah. Yeah. It's it unbelievable. Every Those first two look better than every other one that's come since. Um, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. It's pretty clear that when Stan Winston died, a lot of his knowledge went with him because not many people have been able to replicate it. Yep. Yeah, it's just uh, it's crazy. That but was- 2001 is, you know, for story, score, conception, everything, uh, it's way ahead of its time. But you've heard me talk about that before. It's a little um, ahead of its time in the fact that you had somebody writing a novel and somebody making a movie at the same time. Yeah. It yeah, almost yeah. never happens. Exactly. And I – well, I'll, I'll save that for another – time but uh i'm cheating on a couple of these too um you know jeremy and i have talked about our love for the real world uh the Mm. the show that was on mtv starting in 92 it it, the first season of that show it's it's a parody now Chappelle show everybody's made parodies of the real world at this point Mm -hmm. uh but it's it's so prescient in its time they were having conversations about race they were having conversations about uh gender and and uh, LGBTQ stuff, and so much so that they brought the original cast back 30 years later and did, like, a, a, a homecoming, quote-unquote, homecoming show. Mm-hmm. And they literally had the same conversations between a few of them that they had 30 years prior. Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, the real world is as mocked as it is and as uh, responsible as it is for the, the reality show glut that we have um, was also ahead of its time in exposing these issues. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think that would qualify. All right, the last one is uh, I'll just throw it out there is La Traviata. It's an opera from Giuseppe Verdi. Uh, but I was watching Pretty Woman fairly recently, mm-hmm. and uh, w- the the opera that Richard Gere takes Julia Roberts to um, when she's in the beautiful fly red dress and everything uh, is uh, is La Traviata, and it's about um, a dude that falls in love with a hua, mm-hmm. and they end up together. Where have you also heard this Moulin Rouge? So oh. like. That was one back in 1850s where uh, it was 
so much of a story that uh, Baz Luhrmann decided, hey, I'm going to adapt that in, what was that, 2000? Yeah, it was 2001. Yeah, it was 2001. <clears throat> so not that long ago, folks. So uh, it's it's definitely enduring. I uh along I I also thought during this uh this uh question of the warriors um yeah uh because it was a movie where all the street gangs in New York decided that they shouldn't be the enemies of each other and that they believed the police to be the true enemy in uh <laughs> in the, in the town uh in well the town the city um uh you know obviously there's there's some disagreement in there and it, it, they don't the movie's not about that but that's why everybody all the gangs get together at the beginning of the movie um and uh that's another one that i feel like has some has some prescience to it as well who was the big name in the warriors c thomas oh no it, uh the biggest name is james remar Oh, it wasn't. C. C. Thomas was in The Outsiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and with had, uh, with Ralphie Macchio and uh, Pony Boy. Yeah, and, the out, uh, the Outsiders was the was sort of the all time everybody who was anybody uh, young acting uh, tried out for the Outsiders, uh, and a lot of them got in, but there were a lot of others who tried to get into that too. That you know became names later. Nice. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Let's do it. What is a movie that you disagree with thematically or morally, but still think is great? I tell you mm. what, I, uh, I'm going to come up with a movie that if I watch now, I might not think is great anymore. But when I watched it back <laughs> in the late 90s, In the Company of Men is one of these uh, movies. Uh, uh, oh, that's a good Neil Labute. Neil Butte did this movie, and I, from what I understand, he's a big, huge asshole. But I don't know if he's ever—I don't know how much he—I don't know if he's ever been accused of anything big. But I know he was trending at one point. During well, and listen, his last name is French for the butt. Oh yeah, totally for sure. Um, anyway, the movie uh, in the Company of Men—it—it's uh, Aaron Eckhart before he's famous. And Matt Malloy, who he's he's been in a ton of stuff. You've seen him before. And the best thing that I can come up with is election. He's uh, he's an election. He's one of the like school administrators or something. You see him at the end of that uh, where um, where they find out Matthew Broderick threw the vote in the trash. And oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people flashing up on the screen. Uh, He's one of them in that he's an he's an election. But anyway, it's Aaron Eckhart who's just an absolute asshole in this movie. I don't think he, I don't think he has any good in him in the entire movie. Um, he comes up with this plan that they should date the same woman and break up with her and destroy her life basically. Um, <laughs> and the woman is played, uh, by Stacy Edwards, who you may recognize from super bad. Who's, uh, uh, Michael, uh, Sarah's mom in, uh, Superman. Mm. Um, uh, she is playing a deaf character. So of course the movie goes through a lot of jokes about that, about her being deaf. And it also has racial issues in it as well. There's a point where, uh, somebody, I, I, I one of the, I think it's the only black character in this movie says something about I'll act something. 
I'll ax about it. And, mm-hmm. and Aaron Eckhart's like, the word is ask and, oh, and, and stuff like that. And, um, and there's, there are, there are moments that are just really, really like, you know, uh, uh, just, just super mean in the movie. But if you're portraying two people who are, are who are the lowest of the low, I think this is as brutally honest as it gets. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, you watch it at your own peril because there's going to, there's going to be a lot of things, especially today that is super offensive to you. Um, uh, so, uh, I, again, if I watched it today, would I consider this something that's necessary that you need to have, you know, you need to have this kind of a movie out there or whatever. I I don't know. I haven't seen it in forever, but I, I, I remember, enjoying it uh, at uh, the age of 20 and thinking wow how fucking frank this shit is um and uh and so you know that's that's one of them i if i wanted to uh you know get off of this ledge here where i'm like you know people are like in the company of men the fuck is wrong with you chris <laughs> i would uh, i would go with goodfellas uh, i'm glad you said that i was uh i was going to put that on there mm-hmm. um but i thought you you explain your reasons, and I'll not interrupt you because I, I thought it was fascinating that uh, that you put this. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at it. The the, the I mean, any any kind of gangster film, any kind of crime film is going to make these people the the good guys in the in the in the. So you you kind of you flipped into this whole thing where you're like, oh yeah, way to go with the Latanza heist guys, and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's a that's a crime <laughs> you just committed a crime um the these these people are uh you know are reprehensible in every way uh you know it, it, we see the life of henry hill uh at the beginning and you and the movie makes you have sympathy for him because his dad beats him at the beginning of the movie and so in, I think unconsciously you start thinking, well, this guy isn't all that bad. He's a product of his environment and so on and so forth. But he's, I mean, he's, he's the, he's the, maybe the best of the worst out of this because he's got at least some conscious and you don't see him killing people, but this is also coming from Henry Hill himself, this whole story. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he makes himself look like a good guy in this where he's really not. And, uh, everybody around him is awful. Joe Pesci's awful. Uh, obviously he's just, just an awful, awful person. But meanwhile, it's a riveting movie to watch. Um, and, uh, it's great to watch, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> check, check your morals, man. You don't want to be morally. Like I mean, Scorsese and God bless him. He's made a career off of it. He's made great movies, but he glorifies the violence and the, yeah, I think the crime. So. I think so. Yeah. So Hey, did uh did Neil Labute do uh Your Friends and Neighbors? Yeah. Yeah, which is another movie that's just got absolutely mean dialogue in it. One of the biggest scenes in the movie is yeah. Jason Patrick talking about how he and his buddies raped a guy in the shower and it's played for I guess like it's played for last cuz it has a there the, it's him Aaron Eckhart and Ben Stiller are all in the locker room trying yeah. to outdo each other with stories and Patrick is like, you guys don't tell me anything about your lives. You guys are fucking boring. Like, why do I even hang out with you? And, um, and so Patrick goes into this deep story about that and everything. Uh, Ben Stiller has been fucking Aaron Eckhart's wife. I think it's Amy Brenneman, Amy Brenneman, 
Um, and, uh, and Aaron Eckhart after, uh, Aaron Eckhart after this starts teasing Ben Stiller, like, Oh, you don't get any, you're not, you're not, you know, you're, you're not cool and all that. And Ben Stiller is like, Hey, well, I fucked your wife. What do you think about that? And, just and then he fucking up. walks off. He yeah. walks away. And then Jason Patrick's like, that beats my story. Beats my uh, story. Yeah. God, that, that whole thing, man. And, and like you, I, I, I liked that movie uh mm-hmm. that it was a 98 or so and because uh, it's it's i think it's Eckhart that goes first and he says that jerking off is his favorite yeah, <laughs> yeah thing and then it's got jason patrick doing this terrible terrible story right and then it's got ben stiller with that like coda and it's like god everybody is it's like uh the worst of woody allen love triangles romantic entanglements like boiled down to even worse people right it's uh <laughs> and it's it he it really seems like he's trying to like out mean his dialogue and everything yeah. where he's just trying to yeah. be just super mean and again i even bring up these two movies i mean they're way out of date you couldn't definitely couldn't come out with something like this now because you, i mean it's just it, you can't play shit like that for laughs you just can't yeah um, yeah so yeah. What you got, Jeremy? I, I, I first wrote down, I have real answers, but my, I first wrote down, honestly, any movie that has a happy ending, life fucking sucks, dog. Right. Um, <clears throat> so anytime the guy gets the girl at the end, I all I remember is the girls that dump me. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I have two answers. One is the score, um, which is a fantastic movie. Uh, yeah, it is. But at the end of the day, we're rooting for one thief to steal a multi-million dollar priceless artifact over a different thief who wants to steal it just because that different thief tried to fuck over the first thief. Like, that is a happy <laughs> ending. But those are some high-end... Like, at least in Heat, um, they get caught or die, except for Val Kilmer. I guess he walks. But, <clears throat> like, the... Huh? the, no, the not Val the, Kilmer. No, I'm saying Val Kilmer. He walks in Heat, doesn't he? He gets killed, doesn't he? No, he drives up and... Ashley Judd does the wave, and then he's got a fake ID, and he drives away. Oh, I got you. I, I, I got that confused with the town. Oh, the town. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, the same they have similarities. Well, they have similarities. And again, the town is the same. Is has the same problem. Is that we're rooting for a bad guy? At least in right. Heat, the movie is not saying the bad guys are the heroes. Um, the other one I wrote down uh, is Arrival, just because I've slowly come around to my mm. wife's position on. Uh, Amy Adams' character's decision to go ahead and have that kid she knows is going to die of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, I'm never going to agree with that decision, but I still love the movie and I still watch it. The question though is in the, in the, in arrival, if she doesn't do it, does she uh, that's, solve the that's problem? That's the argument. Yeah. No, uh, I agree with I, and I agree is that, that that's problem there. is that problem greater than her than her child suffering, I guess, is the uh Yeah. Uh, that, that is it is rub. a murky uh, discussion worthy film for sure. And uh, you can definitely take that angle. Um, mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, as I mentioned uh, Woody Allen before, Manhattan is a gorgeous film. Mm-hmm. Um black and white has the Rhapsody in blue at the beginning. It is a love letter to Manhattan. That uh, middle scene, you know, everybody remembers Annie Hall, and I love Annie Hall. 
but that middle section where Woody Allen is hanging out with Diane Keaton, they're not even in a relationship at this point, but they walk all over Manhattan. Um, probably, and, and Chris could uh, dissect it, but probably impossibly so. It may be like a Ferris Bueller in Chicago type of situation. There's no way that they made it from MoMA all the way down to fucking Battery Park, you know, within the the span of a night or whatever. Right. Um, But uh, but, you know, it's it's gorgeous. What it centers around, obviously, well, it centers around a lot of relationships. Everybody's fucking everybody who's fucking everybody. Mm. Uh, But uh, the the relationship with Mariel Hemingway um is even in the movie it's troubling she's 17 years old but she's she's not even how do i say this right she is so infantile and so juvenile as portrayed in the movie that it almost makes it even more reprehensible mm-hmm. um in the way that that her character is played uh in fact that's the quote emotional payoff at the end of the movie is that he doesn't want her to get corrupted by going to London to study, you know, the arts and everything. And her her response is that not everybody is corrupted. And that's supposed to make you feel good, people, that uh, that the Woody Allen character is in his 40s at this time is uh, is going down to to relink up with his 17 year old girlfriend. And uh, she assures him that she's not going to be uh impured when mm. you you see what i'm saying anyway mm-hmm. it's a masterpiece cinematically everything about it and around it is skeezy mm-hmm. so yeah um and i'll also throw in the clockwork orange a clockwork orange not the clockwork orange that's the sequel Right, right. Um, <laughs> you've seen a clockwork orange now. Witness Why? the clockwork orange. See, it makes it different. <laughs> I mean, it's different. Uh, a clockwork orange is is much like Goodfellas, to where I can't tell whether Kubrick at the time was celebrating uh, the uh, the the heresy uh, or satirizing it mm. and i've gone back and forth as, as people much smarter than me have done many many times to uh to see what the point is i think we have a good grasp of what the point of the book was um uh, but i think the movie leaves it a little bit more you talk about murky mm. um it is a it is a stone cold classic that first opening scene at the milk bar uh, with the droogs is indelible. It will mm-hmm. always be indelible. Uh, but uh, movie, it's got some stuff. It's uh, it's got some brutal stuff in it for sure. And and a lot of times you're you watch it and you're like, is Kubrick playing this up for how how gross it is, or is he playing it up for laughs? Maybe it's hard to know. Uh, sometimes, yeah, yeah the, it's certainly not clear. <laughs> yeah, because he's sitting there singing in the rain while he's doing all this, and it's just God. I mean, it's so it's so gross. I mean, I'm sure if you ask Kubrick, he's like, "Of course it's gross. Look at what's on the screen." But it feels a little bit more exploitative than that, you know. It so. does, and when he's when he's supposedly getting his comeuppance at the same place at the end, mm-hmm. feels very hollow to me uh, because I don't know. 
I don't know who we're supposed to be rooting for. Right, but, right. Uh, but it is beautiful. It's a it's a great movie and great soundtrack. And I'm looking at the poster right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It is it is gorgeous. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. some there's some shit. There's some shit yep. in there. All right, next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just gonna go right down the road, baby. That's, hey, how, baby. that's how I roll. I ain't scared, baby. baby. Uh, what are some aspects or scenes in film that you feel are not talked about enough? Uh, this person has great examples, interestingly. Are, are, for example, an upgrade. <laughs> Love that movie. Mm-hmm. The main character has to perform these elaborate fight scenes, yet still maintain uh, that they are surprised at what is happening because they're not in control of their body. Who is that? Logan Marshall Green? Yep. Uh, he is so fucking good in that. He's every bit as good as Tom Hardy is in Venom, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, in In terms of... What the fuck is going on? But also, I'm kind of liking this. But yeah. also, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, fucking love that movie. You love that movie, right, Jeremy? Oh, man. I specifically love this aspect that he's he's doing these things while being shocked and amazed <laughs> at these things. And even at one point apologizes to one guy <laughs> he's beating up. Um, yeah, I love that movie. But there are some times where you see like a little bit of joy in there, right? Where he's oh, yeah. like, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. He has a range of different re- – he reacts to it the way someone watching a movie would react to it. But it's him. That's why I think the acting performance is incredible because Logan Marshall Green actually had to do this at the same time. You're watching the movie. You're already fooled into thinking there's some computer chip controlling his body. But that was the actor doing that and reacting to it. It, with surprise, I think it's probably a really difficult thing to do. Yeah, it's solid. And the other example that this person gives is how Michael J. Fox was able to, quote, stay angry during the filming of Teen Wolf, so he did not change back into a human. Jesus. <laughs> that, is, that is a great, yes, that is a great moment in movie history where Michael What's J. Like Fox how- was better to do that. It's like how Darth Vader was able to avoid actually injuring anybody with his lightsaber during the filming. Of really? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. He's sitting there smoking a cigarette on break. He's like, God damn, I'm glad I didn't yeah. chop anybody up. That's right. I need to keep this wolf-like appearance. If I don't, then I would go back to my old Michael J. Fox. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, in the same vein as that um, uh, Logan Marshall Green thing, Vincent D'Onofrio and Men in Black. Oh, yes. once the alien gets inside his skin, uh, now has to sort of like walk around in this, in this, just this, what would an alien do if they got into somebody's skin and walked around in it? It's, it's such a weird and fun, delightful type of thing to watch him walk around town, like, you know, moving his head in an odd, odd angle and this weird way he's walking all the way through and this weird thing weird thing where he's talking like this all the way through it you know um it's just it's a it's a wonderful performance and i don't think vincent d'onofrio gets enough credit for it a lot of times mm-hmm. um uh and uh the other uh the other thing is in airplane nobody gives away the joke ever there's never a time where somebody gives away the joke this is an underrated port thing for a lot of parody movies. The Zucker brothers were off and uh, Jim Abrahams were obviously all uh, great at making these movies until 
the nineties where everybody started trying to make them and, and, uh, and they thought they knew what this was all about. And then you had, uh, the Friedberg seltzer crew come in and just totally wreck the genre forever. Um, <laughs> the, 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 it, when nobody gives away the joke, when you just say something that's odd or, or do something that's odd and then just don't, and don't smile or look at the camera or, or, tell or or have somebody tell you that's weird or say something weird and say sorry after that which i hate i hate that i hate that shit more than anything in these in comedies in general where somebody says something fucking weird and then they have to say sorry after it so, so that they so that they can tell the audience i was just joking that was just a joke blah 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 fuck you <laughs> just say the thing <laughs> and 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 walk away um and uh and so a lot of the imitators even zucker even there's even that moment in uh basketball and that and that was david uh, uh that was um that was zucker who did that uh, the there's a moment where roberts there's that there's that point where the um they're doing the unsolved mysteries thing and she says i would suggest if you're looking for whoever trey parker's uh playing uh you look in the lowest, darkest area possible with no human, just like this horrible, <laughs> desolate, you know, thing that she's describing. And then Robert Stack goes, uh, you know, uh, scenario number one, he went to Disney World. And <laughs> they should just cut it there. Don't let him do anything. But Robert Stack makes this motion with his head like, I just said something really fucked up. And... <laughs> If he doesn't do that, that joke is sold so much better. And I wish I know Dave. I know David Zucker probably looked at that, going, "I should cut it off here." But I imagine it was probably weird to cut him off where he yeah. was cutting him off, so like he couldn't do it. But like that's what I'm saying: is the airplane just nobody ever gives it away? Everybody's just acting like this is the normal thing uh, to do. So anyway, which is funny because Robert Stack is so great at that, like yeah. normally of not going over and above to sell the joke right uh, i mean you you look at uh you know his voice performance on beavis and butthead to america <laughs> yeah uh you know he's he's he and and fucking airplane for god's sakes you know An airplane he's got those those moments where it's like you know should we turn on the runway lights he's like no that's just what they're expecting us to do <laughs> and there's just there's no other it's, it just stays on him he's very serious about it so uh i just yeah I mean, anytime you see a parody movie or, or any kind of comedy where people are just kind of like doing these little things to make sure that the audience knows that we were just kidding it just is it's it's a it's a big turnoff for me especially that and, and animated comedies do this all the time where somebody does some says something weird and somebody goes sorry Stop saying yeah. sorry. Stop fucking saying sorry all the time after you say something fucked up. So anyway, that's your PSA, kids. Yeah, that's is. right. That's correct. Yeah, it is. I have once again failed to understand the question correctly. <laughs> and uh, I was just I, get a clip of that. And just put it in. Mm-hmm. Like have people loop music. <laughs> just throw that in I the uh, <laughs> I do. I do have an answer written down. I'm going to share. Uh, and then I have another answer I think is a better, a more appropriate answer. Uh, the, the the first answer I wrote down is that uh, scene in Never Really, Sometimes Always, where the main character gets asked all the questions um, and the camera just stays on her face the whole time. And the questions go from fairly innocuous, like how often do you have sex? I mean, she's at a place to get 
an abortion. So that question is innocuous there. But then it gets into stuff like, uh, does your partner hit you? Uh, have you ever been forced to have sex? And and you see her face change as she answers these questions. She's always got to say, you know, never, rarely, sometimes, always uh, is the four options for the answer. And I'm always amazed by this scene because this is not an actress. This is a singer that the director went and found and said, I want you to be in my movie. And she just nails this scene. Mm-hmm. And it, it's baffling to me. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but the other one that I think un- understands the question better in the response is the prison Harley fight scene in Birds of Prey. Um, yeah, which I tweeted about it once and caught some heck because people didn't pay attention to what I was trying to say. And Twitter is not the place to give nuanced takes. But what there's there's like no cutting in so much of that fight. There's so little cutting, I should say. Um, it should shame the MCU. Now, I realize part of this is Margot Robbie. Um she apparently in the new Suicide Squad movie actually did the thing with the toes and the key and actually unlocked the thing. Like she was oh shit, seriously? Uh, yeah, like uh, and there's another story James Gunn told about a thing she didn't know how to do, and she said, "Let's do it tomorrow." And she came back the next day and had mastered this one move. Holy shit! Uh, I have a feeling there's there's a lot more to her than anybody knows. Yeah, like she's, I think so. she's all in on these things. I think, and she apparently has a very unique ability uh, that maybe not every MCU star does. So we, let's give some of the credit to her. But th- I don't feel like anybody, even the people who I see talking about Birds of Prey, are not talking about the lack of cuts in that fight scene. They're talking about the, the egg sandwich or, you know, the, the end with the big carnival fight. But uh, I don't just see, I don't see anybody talking about that, but I feel like that was a masterclass. I almost feel like whoever directed that was given the finger to the MCU with that particular sequence saying, here's how you can shoot action where everybody knows where everybody is uh, and you can do it with style, uh, but it doesn't have to cut every two seconds. Anyway. Yeah. It was Kathy Yan who did uh, birds of prey. That's right. She also did that dead pigs movie, which is spectacular. That was oh, on yeah. I, you, I remember time. you uh, recommending that. Yeah, she is. Uh, like you, you think about um, Chloe Zhao getting the Eternals. Like I would love to see more of Kathy Yan doing stuff like that. Dead Pigs no. was the original name of my uh, church youth group thrash band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that, that time where Jesus set the pigs off the cliff into the water and all mm-hmm. those pigs died. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The wrong pig died. <laughs> the wrong pig died. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my aspects, it's not a performance, but it's stuff that I've been thinking about lately is lighting is one of them uh, that that is <sighs> – we do these frame by frame breakdowns of movies for cinema sin so often. And there are so many times I can't imagine how many times you guys have seen this where especially horror movies where it's just fucking pitch black. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I, if somebody's watching this video on a phone, you know, if I can't see it on a giant monitor and, and like, and I wrote it, <laughs> <laughs> how, are, how is this person going to see what we're talking about here? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll have to make adjustments. But, God, fucking lighting, bad lighting really stands out to me these days, especially in something like horror films where it's used as a crutch. It's, uh, you know, there are times where Andy Machete uses it in It Chapter One, where it's in that uh, Pennywise uh, slide projector scene where it's perfect, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but then there are times in it chapter two, also Andy Machete, where it's super fucking dark, and it's I've obviously obscuring special effects. It's obscuring something. Uh, but man, it it freaks me out. And the the other time that I noticed it was recently. For some reason, the entire CinemaSense staff almost watched the Malice at the Palace documentary on uh, Netflix which is about the Detroit Pistons, Indiana Pacers uh, brawl that went into the stands. And for some reason, all of the interviews with the players were filmed in this weird film noir aesthetic. Basement dungeons. They were all filmed in basement dungeons. Did anyone else real, like, did it bother anyone else uh, besides me? It bothered me. it did because like Reggie Miller is a great looking dude. He's 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 under the lights every big NBA game as an announcer. Why are you filming him with like this super huge shadow it's coming across his face? It's because this is my greater point. You know my point that the cinematic techniques are creeping into documentaries uh, as a form of persuasion. This documentary knows exactly what it wants you to feel and believe when it's done. And the lighting is part of that, I think. Just like the jerseys hanging in midair at supposedly their home neighborhoods or the TVs (laughs) in the middle of neighborhood courts playing footage of the brawl. Yeah. Uh, um, it's I mean, it's... Random swimmers. (laughs) That's why I joke they probably had storyboards for this thing. Um, Because, yeah, the lighting was way dramatic. And I think took a little something away from it um, instead of adding to it. But every single one of them was lit dark as hell. Ben Wallace was almost darker than uh, Reggie Miller. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just a weird aesthetic choice. And I don't, I don't, I, you're right. Uh, but put a fucking ring light up there and just have them stare into it. There for you go. Hours. used to um, shoot depositions and everything. And one of the first things they told me to do or not to do was to like zoom in when people are talking and all sorts of little, you just keep the camera static. The whole time. <laughs> because, <laughs> because yeah, there's, there's the inherent need of people to like, Oh, I want to do something stylish here. And like, you yeah. know, and, and uh, <laughs> I want to put some flair on this deposition. <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, and I, you know, yeah, that, that was, uh, uh, understood before they told me that but at the same time i feel like there probably are people who get into this and like well this is the best job i can get using a camera so and then and, and I'll, I'll really pizzazz this thing up with some zooms and some wipes and shit and uh some wipes <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, right some cross dissolves um and uh yeah i mean the documentaries do the same thing and that's why yeah i mean anytime you watch one of these you've got to you've got to understand that there's a lot of information that they leave on the cutting room floor a lot of times that could help with context of things uh uh, they have a narrative that they want to go with on these things and that's why you know when i watched that val documentary i was like suspicious of of you know him being portrayed in such a great light in everything i mean again they showed some negative portions of it but like you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's very, very, uh, precisely cut and edited so that you could, uh, you know, make sure that, oh yeah, yeah. That guy is not as bad as we think he is. So, uh, any documentary these days I watch, I have that, you know, what is the style that's going on here? Is that, is that coloring my perspective? 
of uh, what's going on. So you didn't, when they asked a, a real tough question, you didn't zoom in on their eyes like they do in like <laughs> reality bites or like. You should go over and you reach your hand up on the camera and, and that little, that little knob that zooms in and you just kind of like, okay, let's see how slow I can do this. Will people even notice it? Will, you, will people notice it? They'll notice it when it's all the way up on his lips. Yeah. <laughs> or sex lies and videotape. They do that too. Jimmy Spader oh, like gets yeah. in there and like really focuses like how often do you have sex and then he like zooms in on Andy McDowell and she's like what are you asking me that for yeah yeah <laughs> do you think you That's... could give me you could, could could you give me orgasms and he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a movie I really enjoyed but I wonder how well that shit stands up these yeah, days no telling uh, that was Soderbergh's first feature, wasn't it? Like his first big it was one. First big one. I think he had done a couple of other things before that, but uh, yeah, that was his first one that sort of broke out. It was one of the, it's one of the movies that they point to that uh, started the whole indie movement in the nineties. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about BetterHelp. Yeah, BetterHelp. 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 You want to feel better, right, listener? I mean, hey, listen. Maybe you're feeling. Eh, Okay, but you could always feel better. Maybe you're feeling not so great and you could feel better. Go to BetterHelp. This is an online counseling service uh, that helps with a variety of issues. You got your stress, you got your anger, you got your depression, you got your sadness, you got your anxiety, worry. It goes on and on and on. Addiction, uh, identity issues. There's a lot going on out there, folks. This is not the best time in the world right now uh to be honest with you environmentally and if you're having trouble dealing with everything or if you're having internal struggles look to some help um i am some evidence uh that that this stuff can work um it's online counseling. It's so easy. You go to your, uh, you go to betterhelp.com and you sign up. You answer a few questions. You get matched to a counselor within 24 hours, and then you're on your way. Everything is set up through your own counseling room, scheduling, uh, communication. It is so easy, and you can set up your your sessions to be video chats or text chats or however you want to do it. Uh, it's available on your tablet or your phone or your laptop. This is a godsend of a service, especially right now. It's fantastic. I have a friend. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while, but he used to say, why should I pay somebody to tell me what I'm thinking? Um, and that uh, used to annoy me because it's kind of a misunderstanding of therapy, mm-hmm. but also it's not. Like these are licensed professional therapists. They've been trained to understand how the human brain works and how some of these different disorders work and trained in how to help you pull it out of your own brain and come face to face with it, make peace with it and start moving forward. Um, That's what they do. It's not as simple as just telling you what you're thinking, but it's helping you understand what you're thinking. They're as much of a tour guide or a sherpa if you will as they are anything else um and the journey is uh super fulfilling uh, i promise you it is and and you need to work with these licensed professional sherpas to mm-hmm. take you up the mountain mm-hmm. to your <laughs> <laughs> your 
I couldn't and, let that go without calling out the Sherpas. They are Sherpas. Be a yeah. beacon. Be a beacon. Be- <laughs> <laughs> and give him help. All right. Uh, anyway, betterhelp.com slash syncast. Go to that URL, okay? You get 10% off your first month. Use the junk out of that first month, guys. I, I mean, this is and, – and, and beyond, but certainly the first month – where you can really, really get in touch with what's going on with you uh, so that you and your Sherpa can figure out the journey ahead uh, to to help you deal with these issues. OK, this is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm joking around, but I'm not about uh, the actual mental health uh, portion of this. Uh, it is a lifesaver. It's a godsend and it's fantastic. Betterhelp.com slash sendcast. Go there right now. Uh, let's jump around just a little bit and clear clear out some deck here, uh, because we had a, a question about some CinemaSense content last week about the apple and the asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, which member of your team taught a college class in web development without actually knowing about it, as referenced in the very first or the first video in which y'all send y'all selves. Mm. That was me. It was me. me. Uh, That is Jeremy who taught that class. Here's the deal. It started, I probably told this story before, but I love it, so I'm going to tell it again. It started with me teaching Microsoft Publisher, which Mm. I did know very well. Um, And it was like a part-time adjunct gig at a community college uh, here in, central Tennessee, uh, paid me like, I think $400 a month. Nice. And I went like once a week. Uh, I had a class, I had a class of like five students. Um, seriously? Yes. And, um, you know, I, that went fine. I'd absolutely nailed that. I knew publisher. Um, and then they said, Hey, we, we're not going to offer our course on publisher next semester. Do you know, do you know web development? What was the program that everybody used for web development in the early two thousands? Um, mm. Shit, oh, uh, was it uh, was it Dreamweaver? Dreamweaver. They mm-hmm. do you know Dreamweaver? And I said, of course. Uh, and I <laughs> had never used it. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, at this point in time, I desperately needed the gig. And so, what I should have done is, you know, like taught myself Dreamweaver, right? Like, I had a couple weeks. Um, I didn't even do that. I just I just did the whole uh, 40-year-old virgin thing. So, like, every time a student would ask a question, how do I turn my text red? I would turn to the rest of the class and go, all right, class, how do we turn the text red? <laughs> this no is the way. Can- this is Let the in Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> Let one of them answer it. I I did the whole semester. I had my boss, the dean, come and sit in on a class like he did every semester to evaluate me. And um, I had a a better full-time job at the end of that semester, and I did not continue teaching there after that. Uh, But I successfully (laughs) pulled it off. Um, They kept asking me for my transcripts. Uh, I just never sent them. (laughs) I think eventually they would have 
stopped paying me just because I couldn't prove some of these skills. <laughs> but um, yeah, totally, you know, totally got, got one over. It's funny. I also successfully did not learn Dreamweaver uh, at, uh, <laughs> at, at my job shooting depositions. Because there was a point where a, a guy, the the guy who ran that video department, was like, "It would be cool if we could start getting a cool website for our for our business here and everything." And I was learning HTML at the time, so I was learning all the like down the nuts and bolts of HTML, how to make a website and everything. And I was putting all these little cool things in it. I still didn't understand a lot of things, but. Uh, he wanted me to learn Dreamweaver for more dynamic things and stuff that you could just, you know, I guess, hey, I want this page to look like this, and you just press a button, and you don't have to write the code and all that. But I was already so deep into the HTML stuff that I just completely ignored that uh, that thing. And it's not like he – this is this ended up being a big major argument between me and him later on uh, – because I didn't learn that, but he never emphasized it. He never said, I need you to learn this. It's just that when I got to HTML and I started making a, a, a sample site and everything, he, he, he wanted me to do things to the site that you know, st- stuff like when you reduce the, uh, the window and you minimize the window, it, it, all the whole, the whole page shows up in the minimum, you know, the minimum window and everything, hmm. uh, instead of showing part of it, uh, which was, you know, that was, I don't even know if that's a thing nowadays. I don't even know if you can do that on purpose, uh, <laughs> with web pages, but I was, I, I learned <laughs> where how it just to do- goes to a part of it. Yeah. Where it just goes yeah, to a part yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 uh, I learned the HTML thing after we had the argument about me not doing Dreamweaver. Uh, I learned how to do it in HTML. Uh, and then, but the damage was done. We'd already yelled at each other about, about all that. So, uh, but yeah, so, the, so yeah, we have, we have that somewhat in common. Uh, it's the reason why I knew the name of the thing that you were asking about. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go to a, a new one and then we'll get to some, some older ones here. Cause right. we've got some kicking around here. Favorite time an actor plays a parody of themselves, uh, like Neil Patrick Harris and Harold and Kumar or Carl Weathers in Arrested <laughs> Development. Uh, love that. I've been catching up on Arrested Development uh, mm-hmm. over the last uh, few years, and uh, I appreciate that. What a great show. Um, John Malkovich and being John Malkovich is, uh, yeah. is uh, what I came up Malkovich. with here. Malkovich, Malkovich. Um, Malkovich, Malkovich. <laughs> Malkovich. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he, I mean, I guess anytime someone plays themselves, they are a parody of themselves. Like they hardly ever are what they really are. Um, <laughs> uh, although this, I feel like is like somewhat close maybe in certain things. Like when he's, you know, I, I always think about when we see Malkovich, uh, outside of when there's someone inside of him, um, uh, like he's, uh, he's, uh, doing that, that play, uh, he's doing that Shakespeare play in the middle of being John Malkovich and uh, uh, <laughs> Catherine Keener. I think it's Catherine Keener that shows up 
and uh and he's like can i have uh 15 minutes uh whatever the director is or whatever <laughs> he's like in the middle of this intense scene and she shows up and he's like all right 15 minutes guys <laughs> like <walks off. laughs> um um uh and uh and just the the funny stuff like when he's in the cab and the cab driver's like aren't you in that thief movie that uh that uh that jewel thief movie and he's like i was never in a jewel thief movie <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh but uh he's just he's just especially when he goes in and and uh complains to charlie sheen and charlie sheen also is playing himself in this movie uh exactly the type of guy you think charlie sheen is in real life uh yeah. where you know malkovich is saying like there's, there's there's something going on it was uh, you know i didn't know what was going on like i think she's doing something to me and he's like he's like oh wow it might be a witch cult man like a sex witch cult <laughs> you know it's like think about it two sexy witches trying to get you know like he's he's you know <laughs> stuff like that but uh but but yeah I'll, I'll go with malkovich on this although he is a lot of the times he's playing this is another maybe you could even put this in that category of uh people that we don't talk about this enough he's playing the character of the person that's inside him a lot of times yeah uh, yeah during that uh and just all the stuff that he has to go through when especially when he first when someone first goes into him and everything he's he's got that he doesn't even know how to talk because the person inside (laughs) of him is trying to figure out how to make him talk uh that's a really underrated performance probably from Malkovich. It is. I go, I go Bob Barker and happy Gilmore every day. Um, because yeah. I love Happy Gilmore. I love, and Bob Barker's hilarious in that movie. He's hilarious. He's, he's game. Um, mm-hmm. and they even got him to say the price is wrong, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. do a fight scene. Uh, and, uh, that was just i thought well that he was... doesn't say it does he he doesn't say the price is wrong it's the sandler that says that and then oh and, what does he say you're right he um, says some he cusses though doesn't well he? he says he says he after he beats him up after saying that which by the way is my favorite part because he's lying there on the ground unconscious <laughs> and sandler says that thing and then suddenly you just see him animated his face lights up in anger and grabs a hold of adam sandler <laughs> you just see the hand going yeah <laughs> yeah and uh but but uh he after he beats the hell out of him he's like i think you've had enough and sandler tries to get up again and kicks him one more time and he's like i think you've had enough bitch then you see him like 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 practicing his punches as he walks away i knew they got him to say a cuss word that's what yes. i misremembered that line. yes 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 <clears throat> i also don't think this is a great performance but i love the Brett Favre cameo at the end of something about Mary. <laughs> oh my God, Mary, because you nobody know I'll always be true to you. Oh nobody, God. nobody can ever make can ever can ever execute that joke again without. It's so brilliant. We're going to just casually refer to this guy by his first name the whole movie, and then right. when he shows up at the end. It's going to be the most famous guy who has that first name. <laughs> um, just loved it. They did that with uh, um, uh, what's his name from uh, NSYNC, uh, Lance Bass in uh, Tropic Thunder. They did. Oh that. yeah, oh yeah. They did that later. <laughs> That's right. it's, it's uh, uh, Lance. I mean, uh, <laughs> that was uh, Al Pacino. That was uh, that was with yeah. Lance, right? That's right. That's right. And he shows up. I think he shows up at the end with him i think yeah he does yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. at yeah. the oscars when uh when tug is getting his, his <laughs> right. That's right. everybody's gay sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right mary 
You know, it'll always be true. Yeah, oh it's my the worst God, performance man. ever. But I, he does have a film. good. He does have a good line rating though. When they're like, "What's Brett Favre doing here?" and he's like, "I'm playing the Dolphins, you dumbass." <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Anyway, as far as uh, parody of themselves, you can't get better than this. Is the end from like top to bottom? Like oh, everybody yeah. in there, from Jay Baruchel doing his all shuck stuff. Uh, all the way up to James Franco doing his pretentious stuff, which I love. I mean, these are these are folks that are almost at the top of their celebrities. You got Rihanna in here. You got you got a lot of huge people in this at the time, <clears throat> and they are willing to just eviscerate themselves. And uh, Jonah Hill, I, I would say Jonah, it, it, Jonah Hill and James Franco really play up their pretension. Jonah Hill's got that earring, and he's like, you know, I'm taking serious roles now and shit like that. Mm-hmm. He's always had this feud with Jay Baruchel. Uh, but uh, one of my <laughs> one of my sneaky favorite uh, lines in this movie is when at the beginning party when Mindy Kaling comes up to Seth Rogen, Jay Baruchel, and she's like, oh, my God, if I don't fuck Michael Sarah tonight, I'm going to blow my brains out. <laughs> what? God. And they say the same things. They're like, what the fuck? And she's like, think about it. Hairless, skinny, probably has a huge cock. He's coked up right now. <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, the, the, there's, there's some interesting things about that movie. I think a lot of the stuff that's in the movie – they played up a lot of their real life things that were going on with them at the time, not only what they were doing professionally, but how <laughs> their relationships were with each other at the time. Cause there was really a, like a rivalry going on and there were, were things that were uh, tense about, uh, about some of those guys relationships in the movie that they played. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, watch the first, 40 minutes of that movie. You don't need anything else from that movie. It's mm-hmm. not terrible uh, from the middle to the end, but do you guys agree? Like the, the, all the fun stuff is at the beginning, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Although I love that, that nutty ass ending that they have in the movie. Yeah, no, that's you're right. And, and they set it up with the, uh, with the, uh, be- uh, the beastie boys. That's hilarious. Backstreet boys, the uh, right. song at the beginning of it. Uh, but I, I I think it's hilarious. Of course, Michael Cera is great in there. <laughs> I love the time where he comes up to Christopher Mintz Plus and he's oh, like, yeah. "Hey, does this coke smell funny to you?" and blows it in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and, and the scene is Michael Cera, Jonah Hill, and Christopher Mintz Plus. Who? What is this? Uh, Ten years, probably. No, it's probably what four or five years after Superbad, I guess. Yeah, it's somewhere um, around that. It's somewhere around there. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and it's 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 funny to see them. But like Christopher Plas is like, I've never done cocaine before. What am I supposed to do? Michael Sarah's like, I'll be your guide. <laughs> it's okay, sweetie. I'll be your guide. <laughs> anyway, and I I, I do want to shout out because I watched this again fairly recently. All the Seinfeld cast in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fun to watch. The actual reunion show as part of Curb Your Enthusiasm. You guys have seen this, right? The the Seinfeld reunion show. Uh, no, I, I haven't seen that episode. Or is it is it multiple episodes with each one, or is it all in? Yeah, it's pretty much that whole season. I think it's season six, something like yeah, that. It's, it's, funny, it's at least the last Curb, half of it. 
I've seen a lot of curb, but I don't think I've seen that. I've seen highlights from those. Uh, they, they even make a big joke about Michael Richards saying something inappropriate. And, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, try to, I don't know, uh, cleanse his image, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and he slips back into Kramer beautifully, but, uh, but seeing him and Seinfeld and especially Jason Alexander, who was playing, of course, Larry David's, uh, persona mm-hmm. in Seinfeld. What's funny is how Jason Alexander as himself, quote unquote, is taking over Larry David's life. Like he's flirting with Cheryl Hines, <laughs> who is playing uh, Larry David's wife in, in, in the mm-hmm. show. And there's a lot of layers to it. And I think it's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, Jeremy, I can't believe you haven't watched this because this would be so right up your alley. I I saw, okay, it's just one of, I, I saw a few episodes of Curb, its first season, thought it was hilarious and filed it as I'll get to the show eventually. And I just yeah. haven't gotten there yet. <clears throat> yeah, no, I understand that. In, in matter of fact, I've done the same thing. I've watched probably 15 episodes total, uh, but I had to to watch this whole Seinfeld arc that they had in there. It's it's fantastic. It's probably one of your better cringy shows that that go with cringy, cringe humor and things like that. Cause it's, it's relatable things that you do. And then there, it's just like Seinfeld only. It feels like a, like a realer type of thing or whatever, uh, where, what do you do in that situation? You know, (laughs) what, what is is it? How is it that you're supposed to act? in this is everybody else crazy or am i crazy uh and it, and it, and it, pl- it plays really well that uh that series does but if you're if you I, I can see people watching an episode or something and going this is cringe humor and just walking away but i as someone who doesn't really like cringe humor i think this has a good balance to it yeah from everything i've seen and i'm i'm very much like uh jeremy where i i loved it uh but just didn't get to it uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, I definitely, uh, figured out the whole Seinfeld thing. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, let's, uh, let's bounce around a little bit. You guys ready for, for a little bit more? Sure. sure. Despite being a less stylish film, Boiler Room does feel, does a better job than Wall Street in showing how evil the finance sector is. What movie, despite not being as stylish, is far better at achieving its message than its counterpart? I would say this this is a this is one of those questions where the answers are probably fewer and far you know few and far between a lot of times mm-hmm. because you have to not only find a movie that's similar to a more popular movie but they also have to be better than that movie in some way and I don't think that happens often right so I think a couple of mine I think I think one of mine is uh is kind of ridiculous but let's go with it Dances with Wolves over Avatar. Um, yeah. Okay. 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 Yes. Okay. Right. Wrap my head me? around that one. You feeling me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I I totally get it. Uh, I mean, Avatar <laughs> is obviously 800 other movies other than Dances with Wolves, but but it's uh, definitely it's, Dances with Wolves. It's definitely Dances with Wolves. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, dances with wolves. I don't think very many people would argue that dances with wolves is, uh, is, uh, is not superior to avatar. Uh, they're, they're, they're definitely, everybody likes dances with wolves better. I think, uh, 
but this is as, asking the what's the less stylish film, and I would say Dances with Wolves is, doesn't have as much style as Avatar, but Avatar has way too much style, probably, yeah. and not enough substance. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, I mean, but it's the same. Yeah, it is the same kind of story. You know, you have somebody who is uh, outside of uh, an, an, you know a I guess another race of people and uh, goes in and tries to live amongst them and trying to learn their ways and everything. And dances with wolves is obviously a way, way, way fucking better movie than avatar. Uh, so, um, uh, that's awesome. So there you go. That's cool. uh, Boy, uh, that, uh, Sam Worthington never, uh, never blew up. After just hang that, on, did man. Well, These other avatars are going to come and he's going to be a huge star. Hang on. I would say he I would say he did blow up because he was everything after Avatar. It's just it's just that it never sustained after that. He had like he also made poor choices like Mm -hmm. that Terminator uh, reunion movie, whatever the fuck it's called. (laughs) Yeah. Terminator (laughs) reunion. Um, Reunion. (laughs) uh, But he he was in those like Clash of the Titans and Wrath of the Titans. And uh, he would always, he would show up like just randomly in all these other movies. And it's like, God damn, Sam Worthington's in fucking everything. Uh, But yeah, he just didn't sustain. And I think, yeah, I think a combination of things where maybe he just wasn't, whatever it is that turns somebody into a superstar, it never happened. And the choices and all that all combined to, you know, now I don't know what he's, what he's done lately, but, um, yeah, I haven't seen him in a minute, but, uh, the he's, other one, uh, Oh God, go ahead. I was going to make a joke. Uh, it's not a good one. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. The, the other one that I thought of was a uh, zero effect over the Robert Downey jr. Sherlock Holmes. Oh, 3000%. Um, the, uh, the, you know, Sherlock Holmes obviously has a lot of, a lot of style to it. Uh, Guy Ritchie behind the camera, uh, zero effect is Jake Kasdan. Uh, and I think it's his first movie. Uh, zero effect is, uh, is, is one of the best Sherlock Holmes. That's not Sherlock Holmes movies you'll ever see. Um, and uh you know it's still perpetually underrated in my mind but i like this movie i will watch this movie 10 times before i watch sherlock holmes again a lot of benny stiller movies coming up today yeah mm. yeah for mm. sure mm. speaking of uh i'm just going to drop this in real quick before i give my answers but uh Wyatt Earp over tombstone um is uh. my real answer <laughs> to this question uh but we've had that discussion there's no reason to have it again so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two other answers. Bally Kilmer um, making a big show on this too. Fucking guy. indeed. Uh, I like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels more than Snatch. Yeah, um, that's a Guy Ritchie again. Snatch is a weird film in that it's glossy grime. Like, yeah, it's still everybody in that every place, every set, every person in that movie is dirty, like physically dirty, uh, just like. Um, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Uh, but it's a glossy version of that, and it, it just feels more realistic in Lock, Stock that these bumbling criminals are real, and the ones in Snatch just feel more cinematic. I love both movies. Um, and then I'm also gonna go really weird and choose Harsh Times over Training Day. Ah. Now, <laughs> Training Day is amazing, 
And you know Denzel's my guy, so I'm not really saying I think it's a better movie. King Kong um, doesn't have shit on him. <laughs> for real. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But both movies are essentially saying, hey, a lot of cops are bad um, a- in L.A. Um, and Harsh Times is way less stylish, way you know, more guerrilla style, gritty, uh, and training day has lots of style and substance. And I think the message again, gets a little movie starred, uh, and it becomes training day, obviously turns into this Denzel vehicle and he wins the Oscar and he deserves it. Um, but, um, you know, the, the message is just a little bit glossier in that movie. Whereas harsh times really just shows you how bleak that shit is. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's being now he's not an officer but he's being heavily recruited by the military and he is unhinged he <laughs> is mentally imbalanced um that movie's way scarier to me than training day hmm. Hmm. Yeah. is that the one with uh christian bale yeah christian bale and freddie rodriguez so so denzel never shoved a catheter in his peepee to uh <laughs> inject uh to pure a, clean a, urine no he not did not um of. And of course, these, in addition to being similar films, these are both written by David Ayer, one mm-hmm. directed by him. Um, so there's the reason for the similarities. Yeah, he's really, he's pushing that uh, Ayer cut. He's he's out there. You I can not. Getting that out there. But I tweeted the other day, I was just making a joking observation that Free Guy made $26 million and was considered a hit, and The Suicide Squad made $26 million and was considered a flop. Yeah. And the Snyder Bros found that tweet. Oh. Um, a bunch of low-level ones with a thousand or two thousand followers. I had to mute that tweet because they're so anti. They're so pro air and air cut. They are actively bashing this James Gunn version, wow. and so they all came in with, "Well, the Suicide Squad was blah 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 blah, and it had blah 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 blah, and his superheroes and blah 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 blah." And I was just was so tired of that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. I got to rewatch Harsh Times. I remember uh, liking that movie a lot, but yeah, it's it's tough. Bleak. It's harsh. It's, it could be an answer to that question earlier about a movie with moral, pe- like immoral people that you still really like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, with Shakespeare and uh, say that uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is nice. vastly superior to even a movie that I really like, Mel Gibson's uh, Hamlet, which came out the same year. But which not was not directed Branagh. by. Would I'm you, sorry. Would, I'm sorry. Would you would you say that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is better than the Brana version of Hamlet? Absolutely, I would. Okay. Absolutely, I would. I, I think it gets the point of. It's a different point, but it's obliquely getting towards you know the fact that the prince is glum, <laughs> right? Right. It was Franco Zeffirelli that did the 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 quote Mel Gibson version yes. of uh of uh, Hamlet. Now I love the Zeffirelli, I'll call it the Zeffirelli version uh of Hamlet. And I love the Brana version of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Uh but I have watched Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead a zillion more times, uh even though it involves the same characters uh peripherally. Uh, because it's just so smart and it's so beautiful and it gets that that whole Denmark vibe and what is going on at the time uh, across better 
than I think uh, either of those movies do. Do you agree, Jeremy? No, you've got cats named after these uh, these characters. Um, yes and no. I think uh, that's a fascinating answer. Um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is the first I ever saw of a this thing you know from somebody else's perspective. Uh, it probably wasn't the first actual iteration of that gimmick, uh, but it was the first one I saw, and it made Hamlet more relatable to me. And when I watch Hamlet straight, um, <laughs> Hamlet I, I, straight, <laughs> I have to I have to work. Like, and I'm not saying yeah, it's not fulfilling, yeah, yeah, but because I remember, I vividly remember in high school, the teacher who got Shakespeare to click for me. And it, it, he was the teacher who taught me how to work. You have to work at it. You have to pay attention and, and understand what the words are saying. Um, and it becomes brilliant. Uh, but sometimes I don't feel like working, uh, especially yeah. for four straight hours. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I love the R and G. Yeah. And I mean, this was written by Tom Stoppard, so it's no, it's no, rhetorical joke in its own right but it's certainly not in that verbiage uh no that no it's not yeah no yeah. uh a couple of other answers obviously uh observe and report i think yeah. is much better than paul blart mall cop uh <laughs> but the latter uh got much more money thrown at it and you, much more eyeballs you know what you are absolutely right that that movie's better than paul blart mall cop but I'm wondering, uh, according to the rules of the question, because Observe and Report, is I think, has, is the more is the more stylish film. Oh, I don't know about that. There's hmm. there are scenes in Observe and Report where they're clearly doing like taxi driver type stuff and uh, doing things with the camera. Paul Blart is like a a, a flatly shot American you know comedy sitcom. I guess I was interpreting it. Yeah, you may. You, I mean, I think that's that's fair. I think I was interpreting it more as just like gloss as opposed to yeah. There's probably more budget to Paul Blart than well, there that, is. That, that's that's a good way to state it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in in I, the comparison of Boiler Room to Wall Street, I think there was more you know financing. I, I think Boiler Room may be even better better quote shot uh, than Wall Street, even though Wall Street does have its its indelible images. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. The question would come down in this, you know, like in the, inside this question would be boiler room versus Glengarry Glen Ross. Cause like, that's yeah. another big, huge, uh, um, influence. It's not, I mean, Glengarry Glen Ross is not wall street stuff, but it's salesman stuff. And, uh, they quote that movie in boiler room. Uh, would you, what, you know, what, what would you, in, if it came down to those two movies, what do you think is more stylish? I, I mean, boiler room's probably more stylish than Glengarry Glen Ross, which feels like a, a play that they've shot, uh, you know, mm. with, a, with a few more close ups and, and angles and things like that. Uh, uh, you know, which one would you pick out of that? It would be hard for me. I like, I like both of them. I think I've seen Glenn Gary way more than I've seen boiler room though. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll also end by saying ants is a better movie than bugs life. Oh, fight ha! me. Now fight me. Now you've thrown ha! down the gauntlet. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's a better voice. cast. about that movie. I saw it's that got movie more a, adult humor uh, and, and not, you know, profane humor or anything like that. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, the same thing about a, 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 
a, a conformist that's not conforming. And uh, ants uh, delivered the goods for me uh, mm-hmm. more so than a bug's life. Um, go back to the well on that one. <laughs> All right. What do you want to end with? You want to end with uh, accent, shouting match, accent, shouting match. Either one of those. <laughs> I'll let Jeremy uh, vote. Okay. Or we could do both. Then I'm going to go with shouting match. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite shouting match in a movie? <laughs> uh, I, I I came up with three on this one. Uh, Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington and Crimson Tide is one of my favorites. That's uh, such a great shouting match. It is, um, especially when he's like, uh, we don't make decisions based on uh, intuitions, uh, ideas, little devils or angels on your shoulders, you know, and stuff like that. And and uh, and then by the end of it, by, you know, the, Denzel's trying to very, very calmly talk about this problem with the, you know, the message that's been broken. And by the end of it, Gene Hackman's like, he's like, he's like, Mr. Hunter, I've made a decision. Yeah, I'm the captain of this boat. Now shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then the whole the whole boat just goes silent after he says that uh it's a it's a and it really does and then it just the momentum just carries on into the next thing where he's like you know when denzel like uh tells the captain of the or the what are the captain of the boat or whatever the guy who the the cob guy to arrest uh, uh ramsey over that um and tell, mm-hmm. take him to a stateroom and that's where denzel starts to really get angry and he's like now Cobb," and uh all that um martin sheen and michael douglas and the american president uh oh nice they're playing pool and and martin sheen's like you gotta go after this robert uh, richard Dreyfus guy because he's he's just making all these gains because you're not saying anything back to all the stuff that he's saying and everything and and uh and uh michael douglas says something the effect of like why haven't i ever seen you out there aj why haven't you ever why haven't you ever been uh out there trying to get into uh into office and everything and martin sheen's like because if i didn't you'd be the most popular history professor at the university of wisconsin um (laughs) and um uh basically saying you are where you are because of me um and then uh al pacino and russell crowe in the insider um Mm uh this is after the the uh, program has i believe it has been edited uh and shown or it's it's either it's either been edited or they or the decision from cbs is not to show uh show this and they get he's russell crowe is teaching a class in this high school and uh and uh, uh lowell bergman played by al pacino is playing is uh telling him they don't want to he's He's a, he first off tells them they don't want to air it. And then he tells them all these different rumors that are going around about him that Brown and Williamson have basically uh, pumped into the media and started to uh, ruin his character. And, uh, you know, and, and Al Pacino was like, did you, did you spar, did you, uh, spar with the judo team in the Olympics or whatever? And he, or did you fight with the Olympic judo team in the Olympics? I don't even know why that's a scandal, but he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? He's like, he's like, I sparred with the judo team. I sparred with them. And, uh, and he's like, he's like, I'm out there. Al Pacino's like, I'm out there trying to help you out, man. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, he's like, I fight for you and I still fight and all that. And Russell Crowe is like, well, you better improve your batting average. And then hangs up the phone. 
<laughs> I love I love that whole thing and the that makes the insider so good. It's a movie that even on even on this podcast it's underrated. We've all, we've mentioned it many times, <laughs> but it's underrated. <laughs> good stuff. I my recency bias goes right to the Suicide Squad because <laughs> I love when Idris Elba uh, is getting a visit from his daughter in prison, and there's this moment where for like. 25 seconds they both just go fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you um and it just stood out to me as so oddly authentic um and then uh the other one i thought of that i really like is pulp fiction and it's maybe not a shouting match but just the the whole sequence of just get the shot i will if you let me (laughs) uh that whole sequence uh is one of the most memorable parts of that whole movie for me. Um, <laughs> sad storm read. That's a uh, wrinkle in time that uh, yeah. it was uh, in that fuck it, you thing. And it escalates so else, quickly. Too. Oh, she's in euphoria. She's the, yeah, she's, yeah. the she's Rue's the younger uh, sister. Younger sister. There's yeah, a, it uh, escalates like a, immediately. They're like, Oh, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> there's a, there's an episode of uh, black mirror. Uh, where a guy fucks a pig. Did you know that? No, I, I, uh, there's an episode, there's an episode of black mirror where, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is in this world where like, you know, likes, uh, of your, you know, your online persona is like currency in the real world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so like, she's, you see her at the beginning of that, like desperately trying to, uh, increase her likes and everything so that she can do better things in the real world and everything. And, and she tries so hard that she actually starts losing. Uh, she starts getting disliked more often, and uh, and then to the point where she can't even get like a cab or something. And then she gets thrown in jail. And at the end of it, she's in jail, and there's a guy in another jail cell across from her. And and uh, it's almost. It's, I love this ending because it's like it's like for the first time they're actually free. It feels like they're in jail <laughs> because. The guy's like, fuck you. And she's like, fuck you. And it's not, you don't hear the words. It's just silent. So you just see that you just read their lips and it's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And that's how the whole episode ends. <laughs> and that's what that's that reminded me. Yeah, it's a great episode. That's what it reminded me of the suicide. I love the Suicide Squad one too, though. It's, it's fantastic. I love that shouting match. It is great. Uh, my answers are, even though it's been memed to death, uh, the marriage story argument between Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson oh, is, yeah. oh, I mean, that's as real as shit gets. I don't know what Noah Baumbach did to those poor actors to put them in that state, <clears throat> but Jesus Christ, it's uh, it's special. Mm-hmm. And then my, my one of my recent favorites from... Uh, a few years ago is knives out multiple times. Yeah. Um, the, anytime the family kind of devolves into this shouting match, it's so perfect. And I wonder how this, you know, how Ryan Johnson came up with this, just talk over everybody and everything. But uh, when they're, when Hugh, when ransom comes in uh, for the will reading and everything and everybody starts, he's eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. <laughs> and everybody starts yelling and then it goes to something else. And then it comes back and it's Michael Shannon going, you want some more cookies? You <laughs> and just to Chris Evans's face. And it's the greatest, it's the greatest ever. And then after, uh, after she uh, is, is bequeathed on the arm is bequeathed the, the estate, 
all that stuff of them questioning. And then it becomes like this, this uproar and they start yelling at her as she's walking out before ransom drives up. And uh, Johnson switches to that hand cam as she walks out the door. It's beautiful. I, mm-hmm. That movie is absolutely gorgeous. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thank you for the questions. And I think we s- still have uh, plenty more that we can save <laughs> for the next time. I, I, I thought we were going to make it, man. <laughs> oh, no. Hell no. We've got way, we had way too much to talk about, uh, you know, but uh, that's what that's what makes us us, man. We talk that's a right. lot about things. Um, <laughs> that's our mission. That's our Hey, yo, we, we talk a lot about things. Here at the Sincast, we talk a lot about stuff. Yeah, um, I'm going to get a tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to do it for this week. Keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter, Discord, and SoundCloud. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Somebody posted on our subreddit last night a post called Captain Ron. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm way behind on podcasts, especially the CinemaSins podcast. Today, I listened to episode 279 of the Sincast directly after I finished episode 102 of Quick Question with Soren and Daniel. That's Soren Bowie and Daniel Bryan from mm. Cracked. Somehow, both podcasts feature a story about how one of the hosts watched Captain Ron only because he was trying to get with the girl. <laughs> this is, if you remember my story. That's wild. That's at wild. least Soren got his first kiss out of it. Now I'm wondering if it's the same girl and she keeps trying to use Captain Ron to seduce <laughs> men <laughs> because well, she and... associates it with the time she kissed Soren Bowie. <laughs> wow. That's insane. Even though I would have come first, I'm certain i'm older than soren um so oh yeah you definitely are we i think we all are yeah so uh i would it wouldn't have been she wouldn't have shown it to me because she kissed soren one time successfully by showing captain ron (laughs) i just think that is a wild coincidence it's like that time that dicer and i both talked about major pain and how we liked it because brian our roommate in college made us laugh when he laughed watching it it's just a it's too odd like we're in a simulation i'm quite certain yep yep i i, I agree with all the weird coincidences that happen uh a glitch over in and the, over in the matrix so he was in married housing um after freshman year if not yo they have married housing yes they yeah. do mtsu yeah. has married housing really yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like, like dorms for married people. They're more like apartment buildings and they're at least where I went to school. They were more on the outskirts. They like, you could get to them from a city street that wasn't on campus. Uh, but you could walk from them to campus and you could see the campus. It was like a football field away. So, yeah, I remember a friend of mine named Steve, uh, got married when he was in college and he and his wife, uh, we're in, I visited him in one of these housings. <laughs> Do you feel like going to a retirement home? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Everyone here is dead inside because mm. they're married. Yeah, they're in college <laughs> and they're married. How much? Uh, how much uh, 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 swinging you think happened in those things? Mm. I mean, not in the Nazarene. Well, maybe at the Nazarene College. Uh, but probably like, especially uh, the Nazarene College. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a bunch of married folks. That are young and horny. I don't know. But just I would married. imagine. I would imagine it is no different than any other place. Like yeah. how how many people how many people at any given time in the world are swinging? Well, yeah. apply that percentage to college dorms. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so. I should stop. You should stop. I don't even yeah, know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't even like. I was shocked to find out people were having sex at all in college. So. <laughs> <clears throat> It's the fact that people are still having sex. You remember that song? Hang on. I thought that was from I, I Want Your Sex, but that's not from that. It was in that era. People are still having sex. It's been going on. Oh, that's the song. It's yeah, been going yeah, yeah. on for yeah. quite a while. <laughs> people are still having sex. What was that? Public? It wasn't Public Image LTD. It was, uh, fuck, Enigma. <laughs> it's not Enigma, I don't think. I love Enigma. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, I do remember that song. I like that song. Latour is the... the <laughs> I want to listen to that right now. <laughs> they really, they really like knuckled in on the six. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's amazing what pops into your head at times. You know, but did they dove knuckle it, Barrett? Ooh, dove knuckling. I really <laughs> want to see I, that. I almost, I almost want to know where that came from because it, it almost seemed like predictive text. It was. I, I wanted to make. <laughs> two fake sports because like bless his heart he and bless his heart is kind of condescending i don't mean it that way um he's really into disc golf and yeah, yeah he's the one that got us all watching that three on three or not three on three or the half court whatever that funky basketball thing was yeah, where they yeah. play to a clock and or a score instead of a clock uh, and so I was just trying to make the joke that that Dicer likes obscure sports and dove knuckling just came out of my mouth. And before I thought about it at all, I wrote it down. And now I've got it in my pocket. I'm going to write that shit into a sin. I'm going to mm-hmm. wait for somebody in a movie to mention an obscure sport and I'm going to do a whole run. And it'll end yep. with dove knuckling. Mm-hmm. Just imagine the practicality of dove knuckling. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what it means. I don't even know what it means. It's- just, no, just drill down. Just take a second to drill down and see what that looks like. <laughs> I don't want to. It must be nice. It must be nice. Oh, yeah. There is a, a little bit of that in this MacGruber scene where he's like, <laughs> I'm going to throw you through the window. I want to get a throat rip in there. I think that's going to be you, small fry. And then he just gets thrown out of the building. But um, 